0: Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Morning, church. Are you okay? Ten o'clock. Are you half dead? Are you all right? There's some tough choices ahead for the pro tiers now in the World Cup. Chicken or beef? Window or aisle seat? (laughs) so bad eh? I've decided I, I want the protesters to be my pallbearer at my funeral I want them to let me I actually want them to put me into the grave just so they can let me down one last time <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't laugh you cry right I said uh, a couple of weeks ago that we're, we're going to do something at church, and that is every week I'm going to share with you a good news story about awesome people in our country. And so the first week I told you about our Chief Justice who got down to pray in Parliament before he uh, appointed the new members of Parliament or led them in their oaths. Last week, do you remember I told you about a guy called Nkosi Mbele, the petrol attendant who lent this lady a hundred rand? And listen, he's over, he's a millionaire now, eh? He's a mil- he's a squillionaire. A He's I think Cecil have got on board with us now and people have been donating, back a buddy, fund a friend, all this stuff. 10 Rand and a millionaire, not a bad return on investment. Yeah. Hey? Amazing what generosity can do. Hey, this week, I wanna tell you a story about a lady called Sandra Becker and a security guard called Henry. Um, she says that uh, there's this good Samaritan called Henry who restored her faith in humanity says 65-year-old pensioner Sandra Becker from Pretoria. She still gets emotional when she tells the story. She tells that she had been to the Mayville Mall in in, uh, Pretoria. She returned home without realizing that after having gone shopping, she had left an envelope with 1,300 rand and... um, some important ID documents in her trolley. She had unpacked all of her stuff, but left this in the trolley. Anyway, she gets home, unaware that she's left this in the trolley, and she gets a phone call from a man, and he introduces himself as Henry, and she says she went ice cold. She wasn't sure what this was all about. He said to her, listen, ma'am, did you leave an envelope with 1,300 rand in your trolley? I think you did. I've got that envelope for you. Can you meet me later on at the mall? Which she did. He recognized her immediately, uh, once he saw her, because he'd seen a picture from the ID document, got her telephone number from the documents that were in the envelope, and returned all 1,300 Rand. Uh, he said to her, how much did he have? She said, 1,300. He, Here it is. And he returned that to her, and she said he restored her faith in humanity. Isn't it good to know that there's still honest people in our world, hey? And there are great people in our country doing awesome things all the time, and the media won't tell us, because it doesn't sell newspapers. So we're going to tell ourselves the stories. Sound good? Anybody need encouragement every now and then? That there are great people, honest people still in our country. Welcome to church. If you're new with us or a guest with us, I to say welcome to you. And uh, you haven't come to church because we are the church. And we, as our church, we just love, our passion is to help people move towards Jesus. That means we're always learning how to be with Him, become like Him, do what He Did, that's how we speak in our church. And so if you're thinking about this becoming your home, move forward is your next step. You would have seen it in church news already. This morning, we dive straight into a brand new series called Rands and Sense, how to make sense of our money, how to learn how to manage our money so that it doesn't manage us, right? We think about money, don't we? Some of us, we work for money, we save money. Some of us, we dream about money. We spend money, some of us more than others. We tithe our money. We stress over our money. We pray about money. We pray for money. And our relationship with God, with money, is not something, here's the thing, our relationship with money is not something that we can shift aside or brush aside and say is spiritually unnecessary. Our money is exceedingly important. If I was to be Indian, I will tell you there is so much of money in the Bible. (laughs) So much of it. There's so much mention of money in the Bible. Here's the thing. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables are about money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words, one in four of his words, deal with stewardship. How to steward and look after things. One in 10 verses in the Gospels a tithe, one in 10, 10% of all the verses in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John deal with money. There are more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing in the Bible, money, possessions, and tithing. More than 2,000 of them in the Bible, which is more than double prayer and faith combined. And sometimes we get, we, we, if, especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, we, we tend to bucket things as being this the spiritual and we get lopsided and we wanna talk about prayer and faith a lot. And we, when it comes to our money, we just carve it to one side and say, well, we don't have to deal with it. Money is fundamentally important in our lives and in our faith, in fact, I'd say this to you this morning: money is core and central to your faith. Not only that, money is central to your discipleship of Jesus. If you want a, a, a gauge on how you're how you're following Jesus, money will give you that. I want to start us this morning uh, with a biblical understanding of money. I want to set the scene for the next three weeks, over the next two weeks, like next week and after that, I'm gonna give you principles on how to manage your money well. But if I I dive straight into that, it won't mean jack to you unless you've got a fundamental biblical worldview of money. Unless we look at money correctly, any principle's simply gonna be merely that, a principle. If I take my glasses off, I can see you guys, but I can't see you clearly. I couldn't see like details. But if I put my glasses on, all of a sudden, you come to life, I see you correctly, I see you clearly. uh, These next three weeks, what I'm saying to us is that we're gonna kinda put on the right lenses so that we can see money clearly. This morning, I wanna start us with a biblical understanding, a biblical worldview of money. What does God say about money and why is it important? You all okay? Number one, we're herders, not hoarders. Herders, not hoarders. A couple of years ago, Pastor Ken and I went down to a resort in the Eastern Cape called Umgazi. Um, it's the most spectacular stretch of beach I think I've ever seen in my life. And when you get to Umgazi, the first thing that greets you when you get onto the beach is these beautiful cows. They They're magnificent. They are between you and the sea. You don't get to swim unless you go past those dudes. <laughs> luckily, luckily, there's a herder close by. And you see the way the herder deals with his cows. He loves these cows. He looks after them, he moves them where they need to go. Are you with me? He stewards, he looks after these cows really beautifully. It's clear that he loves these cows, but at the end of the day, he doesn't own the cows. His job is to look after them well. The same is true when it comes to money. It's all God's money. We get to manage it. We get to steward it. If you don't believe me, Psalm 50 verse 10. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his labola anyway. Psalm 24, verse 1 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's His cattle and it's His hills. The only part that belongs to us, guys, is the responsibility to be good stewards of the resources He has given us. It's His in the first place, it remains His. It's on loan to you and me. It's actually not our cash. Now, when uh, I'm starting here, because when we start here with money, when we realize that we are looking after, we are custodians of, we are stewards of a precious resource that God has given us, we'll treat it differently. We'll treat it respectfully. We'll treat it well. We'll treat it with wisdom. Picture this, if you, if you have kids, if you put your kids into the hands of somebody to look after them for a week, you're gonna think very carefully about who it is that you ask to steward your kids. Guess what? I think God thinks clearly and carefully about who it is he asks to steward his money. It's the reason why some have more than others because if I'm gonna give my kids to somebody, I'm not gonna give it to a mukhu to look after. I'm gonna give it to somebody with wisdom, And somebody who follows the principles of how our parent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we want God to give us more, we need to be more faithful with his principles. God's not going to put precious resource in our hands. He's not going to get resource to us unless he can get resource through us. Are you with me this morning? You can test this very clearly if you have kids by going to McDonald's and buying them some some French fries like their chips. We did this not so long ago. Went to McDonald's. Caitlin and Caleb, they love their their McDonald's chips. We bought them a little packet of chips each and they proceed to tuck into the chips. Some of you are looking at me with judgment about McDonald's chips. (laughs) It's nothing like a little hot. Mm. Anyway. We give them the chips, they start tucking in, right? Halfway through, I asked Caleb, Hey Caves, can I have a couple of your chips? The look of horror on his face. He's like, There's no ways. You can see first he's angry, then he's sad. He's like, oh, it's my chips. And then he's like, Okay, Dad, you know? Now if I just say to Caleb, Case, I don't just want some of your chips. Could you give me the chips back? Man, the boy's ready to break down. He's 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 ready to go into cardiac arrest. Sometimes we're, we're like that. We, God gives us the fries. We start tucking in merrily. And then when he asks for a couple back, we're like, oh, <laughs> I'm enjoying the fries. Make sense? I'm starting here. It, it's a, it, we, fundamental to our understanding of money is that it's on loan to us. We are stewards, not owners. If you think your money is your own, it could be part of your problem. Number two, money's a faith Fitbit. <laughs> it's a faith Fitbit. The other day I went to disc him for one of these health checkups. They put this thing around your arm and then they squeeze it. They like pump it and it squeezes your arm, have you, have you felt that? It like it, put, it applies hectic pressure and you think you're gonna get a, like a lame arm or a dead arm and your arms are going like all okay, like weird like this and, <laughs> and then the, the pressure releases and then what it does is it tells you what your blood pressure is, right? When it comes to money, I think money's a little bit like that faith Fitbit, like it's kinda like the temperature gauge of our hearts. Only when the pressure of discipline is applied, when young Cass gets up to encourage us in our giving and asks us to give, we feel the squeeze. And it's like, hmm, I feel the pressure. But guess what the pressure does? Tells you what your resting heart rate is tells you what your blood pressure is, tell, tells you where you're at with your money. Before today's over, I'm gonna ask each and every one of us, uh, head out to the info desk. Um, we, we're specially prepared. And, and be extravagantly generous. Like, take all the money out of your wallet. Take, take out your debit or your check cards. Give extravag- I, want it, I want you to give so that you're actually crying as you give. Okay? Before you leave, I don't, I don't care if you have to cue. I'm asking, like, if, 15 minutes will be done, but I, I'm asking you to do that. I've just applied the pressure, I've just taken a test on your heart. Some of you look like with rabbits like Hitler. Like, is he serious right now? Some of you, you would have thought I'd asked you to go to the Amazon jungle as missionaries. Just taken, I've just taken a blood pressure test on you. Just checked how your heart is. We're battling with that. It's because the pressure of obedience lets us know where we're at when it comes to our money. You all still with me? All okay? Nobody's died of a heart attack yet? Matthew six twenty four. Jesus, he says some really inconvenient things, doesn't he? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. It's a discipleship issue. Here's the thing, what we do with our money tells us how much our heart loves Jesus and trusts God. Show me your budget, I'll show you your faith. Show me your bank account, I'll show you your discipleship. Show me your outflows, I'll show you your priorities. You with me? Number three, worship and wealth are Siamese twins. One's called worship, one's called wealth. I know they're weird looking dudes, aren't they? One's worship and one's wealth. They joined at the hip. You can't separate them. Here's the thing, when it comes to our money, we'll either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. When it comes to money, we'll either worship our wealth or we will worship with our wealth did you know that um wealth and 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 money is central to our worship you know the giving time the the moment the opportunity the the great privilege that we have to give in a service it's not some slot put in into the church service summit to raise funds it's not that it's part of our worship listen God doesn't need our money we need to give our money but, but the, the worship, have you ever wondered why the giving opportunity is just after our praise and worship? It's there because it's part of our worship. We actually worship in that. So that's why Pastor Canis and I give in every service. Because for us, it's, it's an extension of, it's a, it's a continuation of our worship. It's not like the worship is, oh, it's the music part now, right? So I'm worshiping, music part, <laughs> drums, keyboards, guitars, oh, it's worship. And then oh, giving, no, this is the time to check your Facebook feed and hope the envelope comes, thing comes past quick. <laughs> giving is an extension of, it's part of, it's a continuation of our worship. We should be giving in every service because we, we don't just come and sing in some services. And No, if you really want to understand how worship and wealth are central and they're linked together. We worship with our wealth that 's why we give in every service because I sing in every service right we, we raise our hands to heaven 's not because we some we not because we 're pentecostal it 's not like because yeah, you worship God better if your hands are raised. It's because we're reaching, I, I, when I raise my hands, I'm reaching out to heaven. It's symbolic, that's all it is. There's nothing spiritual s- uh, special about it. It's just, it's a symbol. Well, well when I give my money, I, I'm giving during the service so that I remember that my, the giving of my money is central to my worship and to my discipleship. Are you with me? All okay? Is this is making sense to anybody this morning? Number four, don't diss the dollar. Don't diss the dollar. Money's not the problem. Money's not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Hey, 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with dollars. There's nothing wrong with rands. In fact, if you're trying to get wealthy, God bless you, get as wealthy as you can. Please make all the cash you can as legally as you can. If you're running a, (laughs) legally, right? If you're running a business, make bucket loads of cash and then deploy it as the Holy Spirit leads you. Invest it as the Holy Spirit leads you. I don't believe that God would want any person to be poor some people take vows of poverty as part of their discipleship when money is an issue that they feel like they need to deal with. But poverty is a curse. God does not desire or want any person in our world to be begging for bread. Like that is, it's not, that is not good and that's not of God. Make all the money you can, but deploy it generously. Money in your hands better than money in the hands of a crooked politician. Yeah, money is amoral not immoral, amoral. It means it doesn't have a morality. It takes on the morality of the one in whose hands it finds itself. You with me? Your money will only do, your money can only do, my money can only do what I tell it to do. It takes on my morality. If your money's not behaving, people, it's because you haven't taught it to. Are you with me? It's not like money has a mind of its own. Money does not grow legs and walk out of your bank account like as some zombie that's doing something that you don't know about. Are you with me? Money has left your bank account because you've told it to. The closest thing might be bank charges when you get ripped off a bank. That might be the only time that money sort of disappears. But every other transaction you have told, you have signed the debit order, you've made the EFT, you've withdrawn the cash at there. Are you with me? It's leaving because you've told it to. You've said, buy, I don't want you. <laughs> or buy because I need to buy something with you, which is, which is fine. You guys remember the ventriloquist Jeff Dunham? The guy who like Ahmed the dead terrorist. Do you guys remember that guy? He used to go, silence, I kill you, that guy. Do you remember him? He had this uh, little guy called Ahmed the dead terrorist. And Ahmed, big I mean, Jeff Dunham was so good as a ventriloquist that he, he would put this little puppet up next to him and Ahmed or and he had various others. But uh, after a few moments of watching, you actually fully believe um that Ach- Ahmed is actually like a, a lifelike like, like ahmed 's real and he 's alive himself like he 's that good, Jeff Dunham is that good every now and then you have to remind yourself listen this this little Ahmed, the dead terrorist is actually he 's just a puppet right. He, he, he hasn't got a life of his own. Sometimes it's like that with money. We can actually believe that somehow money has taken on a life of its own. And actually money will only do what you tell it to. You're Jeff Dunham and my, uh, money is Ahmed and the only time it comes alive is when you tell it to come alive. Are you with me? Come on so quiet in this Catholic church. <laughs> you all okay? Making sense? Anybody being helped this morning? Number five, Greed is our Gollum. Greed is our Gollum. Now, Go- now Gollum. For those of you who, who, who might not know, he, he, was, he was a character in The Lord of the Rings. He was the Stuart hobbit of the River Folk, and he le- lived near in a place called the Gladden Fields. He was originally known as Smegul. <laughs> he was corrupted by the One Ring, the shiny ring, right? He was corrupted by this One Ring, and he was later named Gollum after the horrible swallowing noises, that swallowing noises that he made in his throat, Gollum was obsessed with this one ring. He was obsessed with it. He called it his precious. Greed is the thing in us that says, my precious. (laughs) Those of us who receive the offering at times, listen, we stand up here and we see Gollum at times, like with you guys. Some of you are going, but it's my precious we have to fight greed. Hey, each one of us, doesn't matter how long we've been living, doesn't matter how much we've been following Jesus, doesn't matter how close we are to Jesus, we all have a constant struggle with greed, don't we? We've, all of us got that golem inside of us that says, but it's my precious. Fish and offering comes around, oh, it's my precious. And we've all got those things that are precious to us, so. Let me tell you how to fight greed. The first thing you've got to do is identify it. Just have the courage to say, I'm being Gollum right now, okay? And then do the exact opposite to what Gollum's telling you to do. So earlier when I said to us, what I'd like each one of us to do is, is to give extravagantly today. That thing in you that resisted what I was saying, that thing in you that, that said, there is no way on God's green earth I want to do that today. That's, that's Gollum. That's greed in us. Right? Let's just be honest enough to admit it. The way to conquer greed is to be generous. The only way to beat greed is to give. It's the only way. Proverbs 28 verse 22 says, a stingy man hastens after wealth. It could read, Gollum, chases after his precious, hastens after his precious, and does not know that poverty will come upon him. The Lord of the Rings is actually an incredibly, profoundly theological movie on so many different levels. Did you see how we see Gollum? He's naked, he's destitute, he's poor, he's lost everything in his life, and yet he still hankers after his precious. Number six, what we really need is the good stuff, right? And that's called wisdom. I'm not asking you to do something now. Hang, I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you to go to the. Well, I am asking you to go and give it generously, but I'm going to leave that with you. But what I'm, I'm definitely in this moment asking you to do is to grab something where you can take take notes. Uh, Because I want you to write down a verse and I want you to forget it. So if you're not taking notes with a phone, whip out your phone. If you've got a hundred rand note that you wanna write on before you give it later on, (laughs) write on it, that's fine. (laughs) Find something to write on. Find something to take this note down. I'm asking every single person in the building to do it. Even if you don't normally take notes. Ezekiel 28 verse four. I feel like it will be a key for so many of us today. With your wisdom and understanding you have amassed great wealth, with your wisdom and understanding. Here's the thing: The key to wealth is wisdom and understanding. There is no wisdom, uh, there is no wealth without wisdom. You don't need more money, or you don't just need more money, you need more wisdom with our money. The reason for that is that's why nine out of 10 lottery winners, nine out of 10, believe that the money will be gone by the time it gets to their grandkids because they realize they haven't got the wisdom to steward the newfound wealth. Wealth takes wisdom to steward. 70% of all lottery winners end up going broke and filing for bankruptcy. Seven out of 10 become a mukhu with their money. Isn't that remarkable? The thing that blows me away is only 55% of lottery winners said that it made them feel more happy. Only 55%. That's amazing to me. I would rather be unhappy and rich than unhappy and poor. You with me? (laughs) I mean, if I am gonna be unhappy, I'd rather have cash to be unhappy with. (laughs) The thing is, it just can't make you happy. You with me? All okay? Number seven, no luggage is allowed. You can't take it with you, but you can shape eternity with it. Let me say that again. You can't take it with you to the other side of eternity. We can't, but we can shape eternity with it here on earth. That's why like vision offering is so powerful. Why it's such a privilege for us to give to it. Why it's it's such a good thing for our church because although we can't take it with us, we can shape eternity with it. How um, incredibly mind-blowing that you get to shape the years after you die with your finance today. So vision offering was a, an, is an offering that we give once a year. Anybody can give to it at any time to, to release more space in our church into kids' facilities. Somebody paid for this building that's, that's died already. This building that you're sitting in now, somebody shaped eternity with their finance. They long dead, but the building exists. Isn't that mind-blowing thought? Have you ever been to Boxburg um, or driven through Boxburg town, um, when there's a funeral going on at the cemetery just up the road, the whole town kind of comes to standstill because everybody's on their way to the funeral procession, right? The, the moms, the dads, the aunts, the uncles, the cat, the dog, the budgie, the whole deal. Everybody's going, right? You know what I've never seen? I, I look at, I see lots of those funerals, been to lots of them. There's never a hearse pulling a trailer. Because you can't take any of it with you. It's not like the hearse and then the trailer. Hey, Jackie's getting buried with his piano, getting buried with his bass guitar, getting, getting buried with his boat, like it. hey, you can't take knicks with you. And yet somehow we, we kind of buy into the lie that we can. Hey, we, we, we buy the stuff thinking it's so important, but at the end of the day, listen, when you head headed off to the cemetery, it's just the hearse, booty. There's no trailer coming with you. <laughs> To really understand, guys, church this morning, to really understand how we should view money, we have to understand Christ. To really, to really understand how God views money, to really understand to really have a biblical worldview of of money, we must understand Jesus. There's this beautiful, beautiful very Christ-centered passage in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter two, verses six to seven. Listen to what it says. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Okay, what's going on here? Jesus, who had all the wealth of heaven, Jesus, who had access to all of heaven's resource, both financial, spiritual, mental, emotional, Jesus, who had access to everything in heaven, gave it up, decided to give it all up, did not hold on to equality with God, did not stay Comfortable. If you're following Jesus with a view to becoming comfortable, you're not following Jesus. And he gave it up in the most radical act of generosity our universe has ever experienced. He gave up his divine privileges and became a humble slave in order to fulfill the mission of God. In other words, he became a human so he could come and minister to humans, so he could die human, be resurrected human, and make a way for us. Here's kind of the crux of it. Jesus gave up life in heaven for life here on earth. Traded life in heaven for life on earth, right? So that you and I could trade life here on earth for life in heaven what I'm saying to us is this is that never are we more like Jesus than when we're open handed with our lives our lives in terms of their time, our time our energy our gifting and our resource our money we're never more like Jesus than when we're giving up our life for a mission than when we're giving up part of our resource base to see the mission accomplished. We're never more like Jesus than when we're open handed with our life. Listen, if we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, we're never more like Him than when we're giving up comfort in the pursuit of mission. Don't you find it incredible that Jesus Christ gave up the wealth of heaven? not just financial wealth, like the wealth of heaven. He gave it up for us and we battle to give up our hands and cents for him. Some of us, we battle to give up sleep to come and serve. Isn't it, it's mind blowing that he would give up everything for us. And as we follow him, we're called to give up Our comfort. We're called to give up some of our life, our resource, our time, our gifts, our talents, our treasures. You're never more like Jesus. I'm never less of the muhu self that I am. Yes, I'm. I'm never less of myself and more like Him than when I'm giving and serving, got my hands open, giving away my life can somebody say amen shall we pray this morning me recap us quickly biblical world view of money remember that you're a herder simply you weren't designed to be a hoarder it's his laborer, people right money is a faith fitbit what we do with our money shows the condition of our heart Our worship and our wealth are Siamese twins. We can't separate them. You'll either worship your wealth or you'll worship with your wealth. There's only really two options. Let's remember not to diss the dollar. Money can only do what we tell it to do. Money in your hands is better than money in the hands of a greedy person. Let's remember that greed is a golem. It's always hankering after the shiny stuff. What we really need is the good stuff, wisdom. You don't need more money, you need more wisdom. And there's no luggage allowed in heaven. Your hearse. Can't pull a trailer. There's nothing else that goes with us, but we can invest it for eternity while we're here. I feel like I need to pray for us this morning for those of us who, who want more faith in our money, with our money. You know, faith is a spiritual gift. God is a good God in heaven and He gives faith to whoever wants it. So, my simple question to you this morning is do you want more faith with your money? Do you want more faith to be able to give, to be a generous steward? Do you want more faith to do what you need to do with your money? If you do, I'm gonna ask you, right where you are, just say, hey, that's me. Pastor B, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Hands up all over this place, quickly. If, that, if that's you, you want it, faith, faith, faith. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. All of us, God, we've got Gollum speaking in our ear all the time. God, we ask for faith this morning. We ask for faith that we would be radically generous with our time, with our talents, with our treasure. Give us the faith to give ourselves away, we pray. This includes our money, God. Some of us, we really, their hands raised here this morning. Father, you know, you know what every person needs. You love us so madly. You love us so crazily. You love us so amazingly. You know what we need. Father, give every person what they need. Holy Spirit, right now. Would you give us what we need? You know, the scripture says, some of you, even now as I'm praying, you're wondering, I wonder, could God give this to me? Let me encourage you. Jesus said that your father in heaven, if some of you ask for a a bread, he's not gonna give you a snake. He's gonna give you the good gift that you ask for. Those of us who, some of us who struggle to tithe. Some of us who are struggling to tithe. Hey, come on, if if that's you, I wanna wanna pray for faith for you this morning. Father, give us the, the faith. Some of us, uh, we we kind of follow the letter of the law. But we we haven't got generous hearts. Father, give faith for that this morning. Help us to be open-handed people. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.